Hi, my name is Renita, and I am your host of the Be Your Own Kind podcast. My podcast aligns with idea of my blog of feeling comfortable with you. I'm excited to share topics and ideas with you today. Thanks for tuning in. It's been a long time and I just needed the rest. I ain't gonna lie, having a small platform alludes to the thought that people actually won't miss you, but I can honestly say people have been reaching out to me and checking on me. Man, it made me feel loved and further reminded me of why I started this platform in the first place. So today's topic is 100% tied to one of the reasons that I took a break. But before we delve into this topic, I want to invite you to visit my website at beyourownkind.com. Or if you like visuals, watch and subscribe to my channel, YouTube channel to be precise, to keep up with the notifications. Also, I have freshly started a subscription with Community. Community is a platform that allows you to directly text me. We can discuss the topics, or you can request to be a guest on the platform, or we can just shoot the breeze. If interested, the link can be found in the description box. As always, thank you for your support. So, for about 90 days, I experienced the discomfort and pain from an indelible menstrual cycle. Like, in the first 30 days, I was not alarmed because my menstrual cycle always sometimes lasts 30 days. But the second month came and I knew something was not right. So I made the conscious decision to schedule a doctor's appointment. The initial doctor's appointment went well, and I was prescribed some birth control pills to regulate the cycle. So, in the next two weeks, my flow was getting even heavier, and my cramps were intensifying. I reached out to the doctor via their virtual system. Four days later, they hadn't returned my message, so when the doctor finally did respond, she told me to keep taking the birth control pills. Several days later, the pain was getting unbearable and my flow was getting even heavier. One of my good friends told me about my patient rights and suggested that I ask for pain management medicine and some medicine that um, is called progesterone that actually can stop my cycle. So when I reached out to her and told her about this, um, she responded to me three to four days later and her rebuttal was that the downfalls of putting me on those pills could possibly put me into some sort of menopause. So I responded explaining to her how my previous doctor prescribed this same medicine to me uh, while living in Chicago and how it worked successfully and how my period eventually came back. So then she sent me another message asking me if that's what I wanted to do and I responded yes. So unfortunately she never put in this prescription. And so I proceeded to call the head nurse. I called the head nurse and left several messages. However, no one returned my call. So the next voicemail following the others, I thoroughly explained how this was my third call and how much I was writhing in pain. So after my dramatic call, the nurse returned returned it finally. And at this point, I couldn't sit up for long periods of time and I had to take off multiple days from work. Due to COVID-19, I am working remotely. So to try to alleviate the pain, I was wrapped up in a heating blanket and actually my body, I had to sit like 30 at a 30 degree angle. 
So I grew nauseous from the smell of food and was eating small bites of things. I was always tired, staying in bed because I was just in too much pain to move. I explained this to the nurse, yet she kept calling me back, telling me that the doctor's instructions was to continue to take the birth control pills and to take ibuprofen for breakfast and dinner for the pain. Disheartened, I continued this regimen while progressively feeling worse. A week later, the pain was now 100% unbearable, and I am now emotional and physically spent. I was changing my super strength pads every 30 minutes. I was going days without eating. I called the head nurse, and she advised me to go to the emergency room. The emergency room sent me to the back right away and asked me a million times if I thought I was pregnant. After confirming a million times that I didn't think I was because I've been on a pair for dang near 90 days, they proceeded with a pelvic exam and an ultrasound. So I started vomiting while I was there. So they prescribed me all of this nausea medicine, but disregarding the fact that <laughs> I described to them that my pain was at a level 10. So after an hour passed, I'm just like, hey, can I have some type of pain medicine? So eventually they gave me morphine, which was my first feeling of relief in months. Three hours later, the doctor informed me that everything looked good and I would need to go back to the gynecologist. Shit, I screamed in my mind, knowing this doctor does not care about my situation. So I asked the emergency room nurse if I could at least get prescribed pain medicine. They advised to keep using the ibuprofen after I have countlessly explained how it's just not working and I just can't function. So after leaving the emergency room, I contacted the head nurse again and was later advised by the doctor to just continue the breath control and the ibuprofen. So at this point, pieces of my uterine line are falling, like literally falling out of me while I'm taking a shower. Sorry to be graphic, but I just have to describe to you <laughs> Describe this to you so you can know the severity of my pain and how much the people just pay no attention to me. So eventually, I made the conscious decision to stop taking birth control pills. Days later, I started to feel better. After a week of not taking the birth control pills, my period stopped completely. Afterwards, I met with my doctor and she defended her instructions and said I needed to give the birth control time to work. I let her know that I gave that birth control almost two months of my life and lost a lot of life functionality. Had to apply for FMLA to secure my job, lived in my bed, lost 10 pounds from not eating and losing money from my side jobs. I was disgusted that she wouldn't even admit that the birth controls just didn't marry well with my body. So I dumped that doctor and I met up with a new one in hopes of finding out the issue. What sads me about this situation is I'm not the only one that endures such treatment. I have friends who have underwent similar circumstances or had experienced worse pain due to PCOS or endometriosis and was ignored by their doctor. Some pregnant black women are neglected and they face this risk and have actually lost their baby due to this neglect. The sad fact is the healthcare industry is getting away with their poor bedside manners and ignoring black women's health concerns. And I'm honestly scared for us and our babies. So the largest myth about black women is black women have a high pain threshold. 
for some reason, and we, I can't say for some reason, just dating all the way back to slavery, I feel like over time, society has this notion that black women can endure a lot of pain just because we have endured a lot of pain in the past. And so with this thought, they feel like we're resistant to being comforted. Although Wonder Woman could take some notes for us, in reality, black women are human and they hurt like every other person. This notion of black women being susceptible to pain has bled into our professional, dating, social, and medical situations. Sadly, black women are labeled as weak or angry whenever we exhibit any type of emotions. My general thoughts on this subject are expressed in one of my earlier videos called The Angry Black Woman, and I do have a link in the description box below if you wanted to check that out. Basically, I'm ranting as I as I as I went on Google and found some articles that bagged up my thoughts, which actually validated um, how I felt that black women were perceived. So the reality to this myth is just causing women to be in unnecessary pain and it's causing our children to be born preterm or not at all. So I want to share this uh, a quick snippet of a video that I saw that expounds upon this notion. This video aired on YouTube on the BET channel and consists of women that share their experiences with healthcare. The clip I am sharing with you today is an excerpt of creative consultant Ayana Robertson expressing her opinion regarding the misconception of black women's Teflon abilities. For a long time, there was like this uh, idea that I would read about online or talk about with friends about like, you know, doctors think that black women can take more pain or um, doctors don't take black women's threshold of pain seriously. And I found that to be true uh, with the first two doctors, um, the white woman and the white male. They were both at the hospital that I went to when I had to go to the emergency room. And I'm telling them like, I'm in a lot of pain and I've been bleeding for 20 days and there's like cartoon blink, like no, that's normal, that's fine. Uh, and this sentiment that like something that's clearly not normal is fine. So with instances like this, it's very important that black women know their patient rights. Um, I recently listened to a podcast entitled The Dose. The guest speaker of that episode was clinical nurse manager Kanitha Gaines, and she explained the many disparities in healthcare when it comes to African-American women. When she was asked about her own birth experiences, she indicated that she was forced to have a C-section and wasn't given enough time you know, to as she feel like a white woman would be granted. And she quoted, with my first experience, you kind of feel like in the back of your head, if I'd been white, would my experience have been different? She also shared that she realized she had a voice when she was pregnant with her second child. This knowledge allowed her to make more decisions and be in control of her child's birth. I love the fact that she mentioned minorities are not aware of their patient rights and most likely follow the doctor's orders. How many of us know our patient rights? How many of us know that we have the right to get a second opinion or switch doctors if the current one is failing? We have the right to hire doctors that grant us thorough information regarding our bodies and make the best decision based on their education. According to the American Medical Association, there are seven bullet points listed under the code of medical ethics opinion. The physicians can best contribute to a mutually respectful alliance 
with patients by serving as their patient's advocates and by respecting patients' rights. These include, here are the bullet points, number one, to be courteous, respect, dignity, and timely responsive attention to his or her needs. Here's my own two cents. Customer service is a factor that should be measured when choosing a doctor. Your doctor should ensure that you feel comfortable around them as you share your most confidential information with them. They should not be condescending, discouraging, or brush you off when you're meeting with them. So so the second point under the code of medical ethics opinion is the patient is to receive information from their physician and to have the opportunity to discuss the benefits, risk, and cost of appropriate treatment alternatives, including the risks, benefits, and cost of foregoing treatment. Patients should be able to expect that their physicians will provide guidance about what they consider the optimal course of action for the patient based on the physician's objective professional judgment. The third bullet point is to ask questions about their health status or recommended treatment when they do not fully understand what has been described and to have their questions answered. Here's my two cents again. A patient should be very knowledgeable and confident when leaving their appointment. They should be able to understand what is going on with their bodies. If the doctor spews a fancy term, the patient has the right to request an explanation of that term. I honestly recommend not leaving the appointment until you are 100% aware of your diagnosis. So, the fourth bullet point under the Code of Medical Ethics Opinion is to make decisions about the care the physician recommends and to have those decisions respected. A patient who has decision-making capacity may accept or refuse any recommended medical intervention. The fifth point, to have the physician and other staff respect the patient's privacy and confidentiality. The sixth one is to obtain copies or summaries of their medical records. And the last point, the patient has the right to obtain a second opinion. Two cents again. When in doubt, you have the option to seek medical counsel from another physician. You are not glued to one opinion. It is sometimes good to seek another opinion and discover alternative options, which is what I did. So the next part of this, I want I want to talk about structural racism. And I read a ton of articles and viewed several videos indicating that income and education were key indicators of this issue. So most articles explain that an educated minority woman is more likely to experience better treatment than an uneducated minority. Ironically, I came across a video brought to you by Healthcare Triage that explained it a little bit different. Let's check For example, it out. A 2016 study of data from New York City showed that college-educated black women had a higher risk of severe maternal morbidity than a white woman without a high school diploma. The causes of maternal mortality and racial disparities in maternal mortality are myriad and complex. They can be grouped based on timing and include one, maternal health before pregnancy, two, access to care and quality of care during pregnancy and childbirth, and three, recovery support and access to care after childbirth. Many research studies document that the risks for maternal mortality are greater for black women. For example, 
A 2007 study in the American Journal of Public Health looked at five of the most common and potentially fatal pregnancy-related complications and found that black women were two to three times as likely to die as white women with the same diagnoses. Black women are also more than twice as likely as white women to initiate prenatal care late in pregnancy, which may derive from access barriers that relate to geography and health insurance. While public dialogue often blames black mothers for these disparities, many experts who are much more versed in this than me believe that the true cause is racism. Commonly defined as prejudice plus power, racism is discrimination against someone based on his or her race. Racism can be manifested through beliefs, attitudes, actions, and policies. Structural racism is the systematic allocation of resources and opportunity based on race. It refers to the ways that institutions and systems operate together to produce outcomes that differ based on race, even in the absence of racist intent. Indicators of structural racism include power inequalities, unequal access to opportunities, and differing policy outcomes by race. Because these effects are reinforced across multiple institutions, the root causes of structural racism are hard to isolate, but a good entry point to address structural racism is to tackle inequality in education, employment, imprisonment, and social economic status. This link has been shown empirically. A 2017 study of all U.S. states found that high levels of structural racism and unemployment were associated with a 5% increase in infant mortality among blacks versus whites. But low levels of structural racism in education were associated with a 10% reduction in the black infant mortality rate compared with whites. Here's the thing, though. Racism is man-made. The good news is that if it has been built, it can be dismantled. Dismantling structural racism in healthcare can seem like a Herculean task, but it starts with two things. First, we must understand our nation's history and recognize that race is a social construct and racism as an ideology was invented to differentiate white people from those with different skin colors, creating a racial hierarchy that continues to this day. Second, we must become comfortable with asking the question, how is racism operating here? This simple question when asked honestly and openly with curiosity and positive intent, can open the floodgates to change in any clinic, classroom, hospital, or home. In maternity care... He raised excellent points. However, something so simple doesn't seem simple at all in reality. That is the sad part of this whole thing. Um, I was thinking of other things that could be done and the number one thing I can think about is just involvement like being more involved in your healthcare, researching educating yourself um there are a lot of sites on here that are a little I don't know on the shifty side but there are some literature literature that you can find in the library that that you can just study and and just become more educated about what's going on with your body the education is not to walk into the doctor's office and outsmart them quote unquote outsmart them and make it seem like you know better than them it just helps you to ask the right questions because sometimes if you don't know anything about an ailment or about anything you don't know what questions to ask because you don't have you don't have the point of reference you don't have the education so I feel like that is a, a very good start. Um, it's just involvement, you know, teaching your kids how to be more involved in their health care and, you know, letting them know about their patients' rights. And if they know at a young age, when they are, when the women do reach their, their women-bearing years, they know what to do. They know they have a voice in the, in the matter of their health. Um, another thing that um, came to mind is... 
just link up with some some good nonprofits that's out here that's fighting for um, black women rights in the healthcare system. Um, a couple of them that I came across was the Black Women's Health Imperative. Um, another one is Black Mamas Matter Alliance. Uh, a third one, Sister Song, and also Fertility for Colored Girls. And for those watching the YouTube video, um, I do have the um, the links on the screen. And for those listening to the podcast, the links can be found in the description box. It's good to link up and to read those those articles that's on the websites to better edu- better educate you on your rights or have them be an advocate for you until you you know what to do and how to handle yourself in that situation. Um, so I, I thought that those were things you know that could be done that could possibly you know better this situation. So. Um, those are the things that, that I just came off of the top of my head. And I don't want anyone to have to experience this. You know, no one, if you don't have to, it was one of the worst experiences of my life. And I'm sad to know that there are at least more than nine people in my life on my circle that I know that have experienced either the same thing or more severe. And that's just, it saddens me. So, um, I just want you to know that you have a voice, you know your body, and you can feel when something is not right with you. Your voice matters. Stand confident in your voice and seek the medical service that you deserve. You know, we have to learn to demand the respect that should be liberally given to us. And we must remember that proper health care is a human right and is not something to be earned. You know, if you are a woman that have experienced these injustices, please feel free to share your story with me. Um, you can um, hit me up on my Instagram, my Twitter, my Facebook. I will answer your DMs if you just want to talk about it or if you want to share your experiences on the platform, you are also welcome to do so. Also, if you just want to send a text and text about it, you can contact me on my community number at area code 773-819-819. 2378 and also the link to that is in the description box until next time you know strengthen your voice strengthen your confidence and be kind to yourself and also set your boundaries for people to be kind to you so i love you all until next time bye bye